sometimes producing for producing sake, which is still something I do all the time, so don't get me wrong, but um, isn't what the goal should be. Um, what I've found is that creating with purpose has more value than producing for producing sake. Um, so I try to, like <clears throat> when I teach something, I try to figure out what it is that I can create that will have lasting value that can help someone. When I shoot, um, even if I'm doing days where I'm just shooting for the sake of it, like there was no grand plan, it's because I'm saying, okay, I'm not just trying to pump out a ton of Instagram content or whatever. Um, I'm gonna try something new today because it's going to allow me to learn something. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. This is We Are Photographers, and these are our stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creative Live. Welcome back. I want to give a special shout out to some old longtime Creative Live fans who might be tuning in if you know who today's guest is. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, and I'm so excited for you guys to join us today. Uh, this is another episode of our podcast, We Are Photographers, playing right here on Creative Live TV. If you are tuning in, be sure to join the chat. I know there's already some folks in there. You can click on that chat icon up above, join the conversation, and uh, you know that we love to give shout outs. So um, tune in. We've got Avril in there, and um, Carlos, let us know where you're tuning in from. Vicky Vargara is tuning in. Oh my gosh. Um, again, I, I can't go too far down the line with shout outs now because it'll go forever. Uh, anyhow, uh, this is a very special episode for me, everybody, because uh, we're going taking you behind the scenes on episode number 100 of this Creative Live podcast, We Are Photographers, and um, just super grateful for all the guests that we've had, but wanted to bring you a very special guest for this episode 100, and her name is Miss Lindsay Adler. <laughs> um, Lindsay needs no introduction. She is a portrait and fashion photographer. Uh, you know her well, and she's an educator that teaches all over the world, whether it's right here on Creative Live, other platforms. She's a canon explorer of light and a dear friend. Um, she truly cares about educating other people out there and raising the level. And I know so many of you out there have learned so much from her. So please help me welcome Lindsay Adler. Thank you for joining us. Kenna, I love you. I miss you. <laughs> I know. I know. Thank you for having me. You look great. So uh, pandemic works looks good on you, apparently. You look nice. As, um, as do you. <laughs> The fact that I got to be your 100th episode makes me feel very special. So thank you for thinking of me. Of course. Of course. Um, we go way back and just apologies, not apologies. I don't have to apologize in advance for everybody. Again, um, we have a long history here at Creative Live. Lindsay Adler was one of our first ed educators. And it's, it's very special for me because um, I first saw you teach at Photo Plus. And it was when I was helping recruit instructors 
And you were probably like 23 years old or something, if that. And I mean, yeah. and, Actually, and, I right. walk, yeah. and I walked in and saw you teach. You were teaching about social media. I mean, this is like early days social media. And, and I was like, who is this amazing young speaker? And we must have her on Creative Live. And here we are so many years later. Um, you, you know, you, you have led such a bold life and, um, and, and your imagery is bold. That's kind of why I wanted to call the episode bold photography, bold life. And I just want to just start, start off talking about like, what, what is bold to you? What does that, what, tell me, I don't know. I associated that word with you. What does that mean to you? Oh man, I you're you're perfect first of all because that's exactly one of the words I use all the time to describe my work and personality. Um I think I could take this like 10 different directions. Do it. Uh, but I think one of the most important things about being bold is embracing who you are. Uh, cuz I think so often and we see this especially now let's like not to throw shade on TikTok and Instagram but, but you know people are trying to be something that they think other people want them to be. And I think it's the most bold people when they figure out who they are, they embrace that and and just run with that a thousand percent. So, you know, someone else who I think is bold, whose personality you might not even think is bold, is, you know, one of my best friends and you just had her on, uh, Brooke Shaden. You know, she she's not um, she's not necessarily loud like me or New York like me, but the fact that she embraces her weirdness and like her unique self, I think is super bold. Um, so I think that's probably the most important part. And then I also think in, in the way that I shoot, um, that's why bold is so important to me. I don't do, I don't do quiet. I don't do subdued. I don't do subtle. I do, Hey, look here right at me. I've got something to say, which I kind of think is super helpful when we're all fighting for everyone's attention. So I love your word choice. Well, I, I just, I think, I think it's such a great, point that bold it, it doesn't have to mean sort of what what it looks like for you as as it does for Brooke or somebody else that being uniquely you is kind of like end of conversation there we go done like that's the like the is the biggest piece of advice you know out there and and if you can reframe like what does that mean for you what does that look like for you then that 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 is like what the goal is. And we get so distracted, you know, going different ways. So how, how did you sort of get to, um, I don't know, to, to being okay with who you are? First and foremost, this sounds like a, a, a high school graduation uh, speech, but I'd like to thank my mom, you know, like that kind of thing. Oh, um, you know, I was bringing your mom up in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. I love um, your mom. <laughs> she's the best. No, it, it's both my parents. I think so many people, at least what you, what I would see in like, you know, TV shows or things I'd hear where like, you know, the parents are telling the kids to get a real job and, and grow up. And I never had that. Um, my parents didn't even say like, oh, be a photographer and work hard. You'll make it work. It was like, great, whatever you choose, you're going to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I think just having that, it, we'll put it this way. I think the reason most people are messed up are their parents. And so the fact that I start off with good parents, like put me closer to the finish line already. Um, so I have to give them like a ton of credit just for that. Um, I think, I think time 
has been really important because I think you can attest to this a bit. I think a good part of who I am is the same person from when you met me, I don't know, what, 10, 12, 12 years ago or whatever it was. But then I also think there's a lot that's different. And I think photography has been my constant. And then I've discovered different things about myself along the way and I've adapted. And so um, I think I think it's the balance of knowing what to hold on to and what to let go of. Um, and so it's, it's a learning exercise. And when you first met me, I held on to way too many things that maybe I should let go of. And now I have only the good things I'm holding on to. It's awesome. So yeah, that was much more of a, a philosophical way about it, but it's true. Well, it's it, so, so letting go, definitely, I think something that we learn, you know, as we grow, like you said, that we can't. Took me till my thirties. Yeah. And you got, you got lots ways to go. We'll talk to, we'll talk again in 10 years. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Um, but, but um, it's, yeah, there's just with that experience comes um yeah realizing what's more important to you and i think i mean obviously right now we're recording this in uh november 2020 and i think we're all <laughs> learning sort of what's 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 most important to us um but it, going back to your mom and like sort of the young lindsay and i've just forever and always been impressed that you can say you started your business when you were 15 16 yep yeah, so good memory. for people for people who don't know this story because i think it clearly identifies like that's bold totally. as a high schooler go back to like talk us through how and why and what was your mindset back then yeah so i i roughly put the date of when i started like considering myself a photographer when i was 12 um, and it was obviously, you know, early on a hobby and it was for fun. But as I went to 12, 13, 14, I was like, yeah, I think this is what I, I want to do. And, you know, my family and our discussion was like, we just go all in, whatever you want to do, just give it a, a, a thousand percent of your effort. Um, so when I was 15, my mom and I went down to the county courthouse. I don't think this is how you do it anymore, but maybe it is. Went down to the county courthouse and we went and we um, filled out the paperwork and I started my first business. And it was actually a partnership with my mom um, because she's also a hobbyist photographer. And so we were kind of doing it together. And at that point, you know, my, my approach was to find like my fellow classmates. So, you know, I'm 15, so I'm in high school. And uh, I would try to go for the grade above to shoot their high school senior portraits. Or I would say like my age, like, hey, family portraits, or if, you know, oh, my older sister is having a baby, like something like that. And so I just kind of used it to pool friends and people I knew. Um, and I think it's the story that most people have um, is that if you're passionate about it and you do a good job, it kind of snowballs and it's word of mouth. And so when I went to college, um, I was going home on the weekends to shoot portraits to you know pay pay my way through college and you know I would shoot all summer and so it was you know full-time student but also very much had my own business. So I I took photography seriously as my life's path like almost from the very beginning and I think is you know I, I can't you know can't not thank my parents for not discouraging me or not dissuading me because I was a nerd and I probably could have done a lot of other things but photography was it for me. 
Well, I think it's um, I think it's interesting that you you know some people find it much later in life. Some people discover you know it as I was a you know dark room high school dark room photographer. Like that was when it became my passion. But I had no sense of like thinking that I could you know run a business with it. Um, and so having that you know, early on. And, and I'd imagine that sort of built the confidence early on, but, you know, you talked about learning so many things along the way, like, were there moments where you were, where you questioned your decision or is it just like, it's just always been what it is? I mean, there's tons of times (laughs) where, where I question it, but not, I, I would say there was never a time, there weren't many times where I actually was like, I need to quit. But it's like, what, I'm, what am I missing? I think that's a, a very common question that it, I mean, I think it still sometimes pops up even now. I mean, I think with, you know, the, I, I, I call myself a recovering perfectionist <laughs> uh, because I used to be to the extreme. And I always felt like I was missing something that some missing piece of the equation in order to be what I was supposed to be. So, I mean, there's examples like, um, when I was first running my business, um, I had this portrait client that they came, they got their portraits done. P.S. They had the prices beforehand. Uh, then, you know, on, on the, the day of, they loved the images. And then they called me up after telling me that they weren't worth the prices that I was charging and that I needed to give them a severe discount. Uh, and the woman was basically screaming at me on the phone. You know, like, so there's the trying to de- like trying to decide is that her problem or my problem but you know when you're young you don't know that the people are just crazy out there or i don't even say that they have other things going on that perhaps they project onto you which was clearly the issue with this person um then later on a story that i tell often was i'd graduated college and i um went to meet with an art director at a magazine it was like recently after college and To summarize it without going into full depth, the guy basically said that every single photo in my portfolio should be removed. I should start everything again and and, uh, start from scratch. But I had already invested. I mean, I'd been doing it for years, pre-college and then in college. And so to have someone tell you, oh, yeah, all this effort you put in, you're not good enough. You need to redo it. So it's like, oh, what am I missing? So I'm clearly missing something. There actually is something wrong with me what is that? So I think it happens over and over again, or I feel like a lot of people can relate, you know, let's say you're, you're aiming for a particular client uh, in the commercial world and you see someone else that you feel like you're better than them, but they keep getting it. And so like, I'm obviously missing something. So am I not good enough or am I not connecting? So yeah, like what's missing, I think is the, the endless struggle that you have as an artist or a perfectionist. Well, it's interesting because I, I wasn't sure if you meant what's missing like if you meant like what else could I be doing that I'm like the fear of missing out type of thing versus like what's what's missing what you know what if what am I not doing right and I well, think both <laughs> both <laughs> for sure but I think it's it's funny Lindsay I also use the word recover or the phrase recovering perfectionist do you <laughs> was just talking about that on my last podcast episode uh and and I think it's so I think it's interesting because I think either as creatives, you know, you you think when you think like, oh, artist, like you think person who, you know, the general like, I don't know, 
person who's free. Yeah, no, and, artistic. Uh, yeah, free. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes. And yet, like, yes. um, so many of us are, I don't know, there's this, like, control aspect, I guess, as well, or um, thinking that, like, how, what does it perfect even mean with regard to art and photography? Like, what was it about perfect? Or what is, how has your relationship with the word perfect changed? Yeah. Um, so if you're ready to get real deep. I am. Um, That's what we do here. Okay. So I think uh, a continuous struggle that I've had my entire adolescent into adult life is um, equating self-worth with productivity and, and uh, common definitions of success. And so I think it has both helped me and hurt me. Um, now, this is going to sound like I'm, I'm tooting my own horn, but it actually this is actually relevant. Um, in high school, I actually found that I worked the hardest I ever did in my life in high school. Like, there's no other time because I wanted to be valedictorian, and I got it. But when I'm talking about sleeping a couple hours a night, I mean, I literally didn't sleep. I said, you know, it's that, that whole thing because it was the only way that I could feel okay about any like myself or anything. Um, so then you know, you progress on to that and then it's, okay, so success and perfectionism, it's growing your business by a certain uh, matrix or, or criteria that you set for yourself. Um, or, you know, the, the, I think the issues come is when you see other people and you're trying to match what that other person is doing or the imaginary person that you uh, compare yourself to. So I think, uh, I think that I was, when you first met me, I was very much still in that very serious perfectionist mode. Um, I mean, my my early creative lives, I don't know if people could tell, but I would regularly sleep an hour and a half a night. Not because I wasn't prepared, because I would come and I'd put my classes together way in advance and then I'd practice it and I'd go over and I'd adjust it and I'd practice it and I'd practice it and I'd practice it. And so um, eventually it's not that I don't aim for excellence. Um, but I guess I, I come to understand my strengths and I make sure I put the effort there and, uh, I kind of try to know what is a value and what's not a value to fixate on. Um, you know, so it's, it's still there, but I am so much better. I put myself at like, <laughs> compared to where I was, I'm at it like 90% improved, but it's, it's very good, but I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't driven myself to, uh, you know, tears regularly early on and now I don't cry anymore so it's great do you do you think that you I don't know I mean it's it's a question of like do you have to go through that to like you said to get to where you are um I don't know I did you did you we all everyone's different exactly yeah Yeah, because um so, you know, I look at a couple other people uh, in, in my life that are successful photographers and their experience was completely different than me. And it was more, um, it, there, there was never, yes, your work is tied to self-worth, but not in the same way as it was for me. Um, so everyone's different. I think the productivity part, though, is, I mean, and that, that resonates with me. And I'm sure it does with tons of other people out there, because again, you're like, if I can show what I've achieved, then it means something versus just experiencing life itself for the sake of it. And, you know, you and I both 
love to travel, for example. So it's like, is that an achievement or an experience? Um, it, you know, what are, what are not an achievement, you know, it's like you go to other countries and you come to realize that life means very different things for different people. And this culture, this culture is so focused on productivity and achievement has, has, how, how have your like global travels and, um, whether you're teaching or climbing mountains, you know, <laughs> top of Machu Picchu, um, <laughs> What has that taught you? I think what I came to find was that sometimes producing for producing sake, which is still something I do all the time, so don't get me wrong, but um, isn't what the goal should be. Um, what I've found is that creating with purpose has more value than producing for producing sake. Um, so I try to like <clears throat> when I teach something, I try to figure out what it is that I can create that will have lasting value that can help someone. When I shoot, um, even if I'm doing days where I'm just shooting for the sake of it, like there was no grand plan, it's because I'm saying, okay, I'm not just trying to pump out a ton of Instagram content or whatever. Um, I'm going to try something new today because it's going to allow me to learn something. Um, I think one of the things that's really valuable about Creative Live and something that I had to teach myself and I still struggle with is that I only produced and never absorbed. Like I really struggled to take a step back and learn something unless there was an immediate reason I needed to learn it. Like, okay, I'm doing this shoot, so I need to learn this. I'm going to, uh, I'm preparing this class, so I need to to make sure I have a deeper understanding of X, Y, Z. Um, there had to be a reason for me to learn rather than just learning, um, which doesn't really make sense because I was like the nerd in high school. So I, I liked learning. Long story short, um, the person that is my significant other, we we regularly have conversations all the time about just like learning for the sake of it. Like he's, he's voracious. Uh, he is constantly reading and constantly learning. And it's nice because he often like kind of just regurgitates that back at me in like a nice package in the way that I want to hear it, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's another thing that I've I've come to to learn is, is it's okay to absorb things and not constantly be producing. Which, even though it sounds like it's an issue just for me, I mean everybody producing for social media content, like I feel like everybody understands that. As far as the going back to the world travel thing. Um, Right now in my life, I'm super happy. So yeah, I'm cool with what other people are doing, but I found what I'm happy with. So I don't, it's, I, I'm not looking longingly at any other way of life or existence just because I found something that I'm very, very happy and content with. So um, it just more is appreciating that there's no one right answer. And you see everybody else living their own, their own answers. It's awesome. And I think that 2020 makes you, you, you miss seeing all of that. I'm fine. I'm patient. I don't need to see those things. But when I do, I'm going to be thrilled. <laughs> I'm going to be so excited. And the food. Oh my gosh. And I the miss food. travel food. <laughs> I, I'm in New York, so it's not terrible, but I'm like, oh man, travel food. It's, 
Yeah. And, and being, like you said, being, it, it makes me so happy to, to hear you say like, I'm content and happy with, you know, with, with where I am. And because I've always seen you as like the go, 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 nonstop. You know, I run into you at a trade show and, you know, and you're. Well, it's kind of the worst situation for go, 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 to be fair. And, you know, your mom is there and she's got your schedule so that you can, you know, make sure you're here and there and there. Um, and, and, you know, so like, there's a point at which, I don't know, you have to kind of pause, I guess, maybe what is, what do you enjoy about the go, go, go? And like, I've just, again, like I have this visual of you running around at the, you know, at trade shows, like, what is it that gets you so jazzed about, about educating people, um, and sharing so much? Oh man, there's there's a couple of answers in there. Because first of all, for the what gets me jazzed about the go 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 is any time that I'm producing more or doing more, I always come away knowing that I've grown a little bit. And I don't mean that in like the like okay, I've gotten better at that presentation. Um, I've gotten better at that photographic technique. I've explained that concept better. Like I, every single time, I know I, I'm getting better. And it, I mean, it's self improvement. Everyone loves how that feels. Like you know, you are better at the end of it. Like that's the ultimate rewarding. Um, I, I think with, with teaching, I mean, this is a thousand percent creative life, like a thousand percent of it was when you realize that like genuinely not in an inflated way whatsoever, how far reaching what you're teaching is. Like, I, I don't think I had no perspective of it. Cause so to go back to the very beginning of it, when I first started teaching, the reason that I did, and you saw me teaching social media, the, the so the subjects I taught in the very beginning, I taught social media. And then just before that, I taught roughly like digital asset management. So basically like Lightroom and Bridge. So what I taught early on were the things that I felt would help save people time and that I perhaps had a unique perspective on. But the reason I did this is I went to some conferences early on, and this is not to throw shade at like other presenters, but I saw a lot of people where I'd watch an hour of something and go, you, it could have been done in five minutes, like for sure. It could have been condensed and I, I don't understand why. Or I'd watch somebody present on lighting and after I'd sit there and I'd really think about what I'd learned and I'd go, it didn't need to be taught that complicated. Like you it didn't, you didn't need to do that. And I felt like, I felt like there was not just that people were doing a disservice. I don't mean that necessarily, but that I could do a service. Um, I felt like there was an, there was something that I could offer that would save people time and simplify it. Um, and so I got really positive feedback early on that people liked the way that I taught. And it's because I, I wanted to teach. Like my goal was genuinely, let me teach it to you with visuals, with demo, with me saying it, let me play it back. Like I was like, let me give this to you in as many ways as possible because I wanted people to grasp it. Um, and so, yeah, um, I think everyone also likes positive reinforcement. And, and early on, people said, you're good at this. And I said, great, I'd like to be even better. It is an evolution. And I, you know, and often, you know, clearly you learned, you spent the time to learn what you wanted to learn to be able to teach it as well, like you said, and very methodically, you know, figure out the best way to communicate these, um, what, what the, whatever the concepts are. But I'm curious, so what you learn from other people or the, whether it's your students or, um, you know, and maybe not just like technique or whatever, but just what has that, 
um, experience been for you about learning as the educator? I, I think any any teacher, if they're really honest about it and are open, realize how much they learn from teaching and from the students. Even the questions that people ask that put what you taught into a different light when you have to answer that question and you're going back because a lot of times when, when, when people teach or teaching something, you're already good at it, you know, and so it just kind of comes to second nature. And so when someone asks a question that you wouldn't have even have considered because you you learned it so long ago or your brain didn't process like that, like you learn to such a different depth. Um, so my examples, like my, my posing one-on-one class. I'd been posing people for years. I didn't need to go research how to pose. I needed to research how to articulate what I was doing. Um, And my posing didn't get 10% better. It got like 50% better because all of a sudden I had to, I had to know what I was doing, not just do it, um, which was awesome. But I've learned a ton from like, okay, let's do another loved one. Um, Like, you know, on, on Creed Live, I teach something and like, I don't know every answer. Like I, I, if I don't, uh, I look over to John Cornicello and say, hey, John, <laughs> please explain this. Um, and so I think it's good, too, because it I learn the things I don't know. Um, and I mean, there's the adage, like, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> um, and there's there's so many, like, so many people now that I look to that are like, heroes in photography. But since I know enough about photography, I can kind of look into their photos for inspiration and like, and try to learn. So, um, who are some of yeah. those people? Oh my gosh. Ready? Okay. So one of my favorites, which this is, <laughs> I want to save up to buy one of his photos, but like very expensive, but I really want one, um, is Eugenio Roquenco. Okay. That was really a long one. Uh, it looks like when it's spelled out Eugenio is what it looks like. And then Requenco, R-E-C-U-E-N-C-O, um, <laughs> he's uh, just next level so far beyond anything I've ever done or seen. Um, he did a 365 project, which it's 365. He shot it over eight years. So it wasn't a 365 project. It's He created a 365 calendar. So each image of the year, like the calendar is somewhere hidden in the photograph. And it was all shot in the confines of a room. Like it's a built set. Um, but it's what can, what can you create in the confines of these three walls 365 times? And it was just brilliant. And then recently he's been doing like modern interpretations of old paintings and like, oh my God, she's just, he's just next level. So that's, that's one for me. Um, another one is a photographer, Christian Schuler, um, German photographer, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, the way he plays with light and color and motion, it is just, it's just beautiful. Like I've never seen any, but it's, but it's the beautiful I like. It's like strong and bold, but it also has like fairy tale tale elements. So it's kind of, it's, it's got like a little bit of, of Tim Walker in it, but like more refined and less childish. I have I have lots of people that I'm I'm fans of. So those are those are two that just regularly blow my mind. Well, to me what's interesting is even like uh, to not just to learn about those new people, but to see what you're drawn to, you know? So it's like, okay, that's super interesting. Again, the Christian Schuler like being drawn to the boldness, but then it's the the 
um, Eugenio, like, let's talk a little bit more about creativity and being in a box and mm-hmm. how you, you know, sometimes, again, going back to like the artist being like, oh, some you think artists and you're like, oh, free thinking, blah, 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 blah. but it's often within constraints that is where we can be more creative. Talk to me more about that constraints, artistic constraints. I think, I think there's two directions I want to go with this. Thing number one is one of the things that helps me best when working within the constraints or within a box um, is collaborating with other people because there's only so much sometimes that I feel the ideas that I can bring to the table. Like I've, I've got ideas. I'm good. <laughs> but at some point I feel like maybe they're a bit tired or I've, or I've done them a million times. And it doesn't mean that I don't want to keep, uh, you know, within my style, but sometimes I'm like, you know what, this was too easy. I've done this red on red with white skin, like 50 times. I like them all, but let's, you know, what else can we do? Um, so I think one of the things that's helped me just, just take, just take away, like I shoot so much in the studio. So fundamentally there's a solid background for how I shoot and a model's face. I'll do a lot of beauty. Those are pretty stripped away things to then have to create completely different worlds and completely different interpretations when it's a face and a solid background. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's hairstylists and makeup artists and it's, um, having a team. So like you're feeding off each other and you're constantly sending each other photos. Oh, Hey, did you see this? Okay. Let's do an interpretation like this. And you just, you're just feeding and building off each other. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I think one of the things I like so much about creative restraints, I don't always like them. Like I love my creative play days where I just do whatever I want. Like those are great. I love those. Um, but I think the restraints are where I hearken back to my nerds, high school nerd self in that I'm a problem solver. So like I always liked knowing the right answer or solving the problem or whatever it may be. And so when it comes to having like a client who wants a certain color palette with a certain model and you're advertising a certain client, sometimes those images are actually more boring. Like in the end, let's be real. But what I love so much about it is the challenge of working within those boxes. Um, and, and it it feels good because they hired you not because you can click a camera, but because you can decode the you know visual language that they need to have communicated. So you're kind of like their the translator over to their audience, which feels kind of awesome. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. Photography is problem solving, and and I mean you're right. You're you're it is especially if you have a like you said like a, a simple not a simple plate, but the same elements, then what are the different tools that you use? Um, love, you know, always, especially with the type of work that you do, like the collaboration. Um, I, I, as you were talking about the red and, and light face, like what is it about red for you? <laughs> um, I think red is, so the very first photo I took in my style was red. Um, I took a photo that was um, a model with red lips and red and white glasses with white skin. It was the first one where I go, this is me. Like, this is who I am as an artist. And uh, last year I shot an editorial that was fundamentally the same idea, but just so much more refined. And it's excellent to see because I think that first image I probably took in 2007, like the first one in my style. And so to see, yeah, I'm still holding strong with that, but it's just so much more uh, refined and and 
like I, it's much better <laughs> to be honest. It is better. Um, so there's that, that part of it. Um, but I think red is a color that it's, it is bold <laughs> and red is a color that says pay attention here, but it's also a color that has so many different emotions wrapped up in it that it's, it's a complicated color. Um, you know, obviously, you know, love and anger and, and lust and all of those sorts of things. And so, um, I think it gives me a lot of room to play within that color. So actually on my website, I have a portfolio category called seeing red, where it's just photos I've done playing with the color red. And most of them are not for a client. It was just me. It's like, you know, on a play day, I'll say, okay, let's do our, our red shot. And so I just I've built it through the years. I actually was looking at that page as I was looking at your site again today, uh, which is kind of why I wanted to, it, it just, I equate you with, you know, the periods of red lipstick and the, you know, the, the, you were in Seattle once for uh, teaching a creative life class and um, you knew that there's this floor of the amazing li Seattle library. Oh yeah. And the floor mm -hmm. is, it's the whole floor is red, the walls, the everything. And amazing. I remember you saying, you know, you're going to, you did, you know, another photo shoot on your own for yourself, you know, that, and, and the, the collaboration of all of that coming into it. I think it's interesting to think about the, the, how a single color can have all these different meanings um, and associations. So outside of red, like when you're approaching, what is your thought process as you're approaching a particular, say it's a piece for yourself versus um, uh, for a client. Um, is it, are you thinking, are you thinking about light first? Are you thinking about color first? Are you thinking about sort of structure first? How does, what's kind That's, of like, yeah. talk, talk me through your process. That's a great, like a great idea. Like that's a great way to think about it um, because it's something that I'm, I'm constantly doing, but I don't really articulate. So I like it. Um, usually, so like, I'll, I'll just talk about um, like a shoot I did last week. Okay. It was just like a creative shoot. So in my head, I had a bunch of reference images, just a whole bunch of different, whether they're some of them were illustrations, some of them were, were uh, photos, just all over the place. Some of them were photographers, some of them were like snapshots of makeup artists doing makeup. And so it would be like, okay, for this particular image, what I want to show here is I want structural makeup and I want lighting that is also structural. So the image is about structure. And so in that case, it's more about how I will direct the makeup artist in conjunction of what I know is possible with lighting to put something together where the structure builds upon itself. Um, in other instances, I'll say, okay, um, we're going to start with this particular color. So this is the color that I want. Uh, and this is the makeup that inspired me. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's something where it's like more smudged and messy, whatever it's smudged, messy, and it's, it's green. Uh, and so from there, uh, the makeup artist will do that, that makeup. And then I'll say, okay, so what colors would work with green, which is a hard one. Uh, but then I will literally bring up a color wheel and okay, well, okay, green, obviously I could do red and green, which usually, by the way, I, you can do red and green people go, oh, it's, it's Christmassy. Yeah. But you can do different, uh, different levels of saturations and different tints so that it doesn't scream that. And it's, it's, it's totally doable. Um, but then I will go, okay, well, green, you know, let's make it like kind of creepy and I'll add like some kind of yellows. So it's, it's more, uh, in that, uh, like a, 
like atomic, like toxic, like, like the, the yellow greens and, and play with that. And so like the messiness, you know, so it's like, it's that kind of thing. So like, what is the photo about? How can I direct the makeup artist in a way that I know my lighting will be able to work with and what lighting is going to build that? How can I work other colors through the gels, through the background, through the styling or whatever? Well, it's amazing. Just uh, thank you. Cause I love um, finding out people's thought processes as, as like, what is the starting point? And I think it's different for, you know, different people's styles and, and the way that they, um, that they're obviously brains work or just coming back around to talking about everybody's, you know, different perspectives are different or, and what's important to them is, is different. Is it, is it the same when you're approaching, you know, a client shoot and, and is it different when it's a commercial shoot, an editorial shoot? Uh, like, is it, is that how you always kind of a, a not attack, but approach, um, like attack, 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 attack. The, the, uh, the project. I think, of course, it depends on the project, but a lot of times um, with commercial client shoots, they, if it's actually like, I'm talking commercial advertising, something like that, they've already done quite a bit of planning and thinking about what they're looking for. And they want to see what additional you can bring to the table from what they've already formulated. So what I'm usually looking at is like, what have they come up with? What do I have that I could add to that equation? Maybe it's with lighting or a certain way that I shoot. Um, and so, for example, one of the things that you'll you'll sometimes create for uh, clients, if a client approaches you, maybe they already have an ad agency, they're presenting you with um, roughly their, their mood boards, and then they want you to give your brief how, what do you see out of this project? And so you might be showing the type of lighting from my portfolio that I've done. I see this type of lighting and this type of angle because it's empowering to the subject and that kind of thing. And, oh, I've worked with this model before. I think someone like, so it's like, it's kind of that. It's like, all right, what did they put together? What do I have to offer? How do I I fuse the two for what their goals are? Um, There's definitely, there's definitely that for portrait clients. Um, I, what I usually do is I start by, um, doing like a little bit of an interview. Um, and what's funny is I'm certainly doing the interview for me, but sometimes I'm doing it for them. So the reason I'm saying this is in, in the interview, I'll ask, why are you getting this photo shoot? Um, what is special about this time in your life? What are visuals you're drawn to, uh, styling that you like favorite colors, whatever, Sometimes it's just things I don't think people think about and making them consider these things and putting it down in writing. Um, it starts to get them thinking about what they're wanting out of their photo shoot. Uh, why did you hire me? Like one of the first questions on there, because if you say it's my lighting or it's my color use, well, then obviously I'm going to use a lot of color. I'm going to do this dramatic lighting. Um, so, for example, I had a, a client today. They, they gave me uh, a mood board based on things they were inspired by. And then with their mood board and then reading about them, then I put together fundamentally what's a creative brief. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. These three looks, this one um, talks about your strength and resilience. This one, you know what I mean? Uh, So it's all slight variations, but it's, you know, what am I trying to showcase in the image and, and how can I serve this, this client or subject's needs? I think that's so smart. Just the, you're, you're doing it for yourself to learn, but also you're, you're kind of also pro- like proving yourself, you know, or not proving yourself, but having them immediately see the value, you know, of 
that you're going to be offering by asking the right questions or, you know, informing the whole thing. Um, I want to go, go jump off of photography for a second and kind of go back to, we've talked about um, certain types of, of photography, but fashion, what, what an early Lindsay life drew her to fashion? Like where, what was, was, tell us about your, you know, the early influences of that. My early influences would, was that fashion was nowhere on my radar whatsoever at all. Um, I would have never, I was never anyone that cared about fashion or designers or anything like that. It just, it didn't even, wasn't even on my radar. Um, early on, you know, I liked the idea of travel. I liked the idea of photojournalism because I think it's such a, a noble pursuit. Um, I liked portraiture. Um, I liked the feeling I got when people loved their images. I thought that was very rewarding. You know, those are all those things. And then when I got to college, um, I studied photography and business in college. So I picked those, those two things, which played very nicely together. Uh, I also studied political science, which had nothing to do with anything, but I wasn't sure yet if I wanted to do photojournalism. So, you know, it's that kind of thing. So anyway, um, in my end of my second year of college, I think, um, I took a class on fashion photography and it wasn't like how to shoot fashion. It had nothing to do with that. It was all about look at these masters of photography and how they have crafted the images that are most memorable to us uh, in our culture. And, but it was everything. I mean, it was from the very earliest fashion photography up through modern day. Uh, it was actually funny. Our, our end assignment for the class was, I think, I think it was, they gave us 40 images with no, nothing written on them, just numbers, and then 40 photographers. And we had to match the names to the images and they were not their most famous images. They'd pick ones where you'd have to understand their style and what they had contributed to the visual language that we speak in fashion photography. So totally unrelated, but <laughs> just was giving the idea of what the class was about. Anyway, um, the reason I took this class was it was an elective. We didn't really have too many electives uh, in that realm. And when I took the class, I looked at the images and go, I would have never have thought fashion photography, but these are the images I want to make. It was women that were elegant and strong. There was creative voice to it. And I think, I think a lot of the portraiture I had been exposed to was really quite commonplace prior. Like it just all kind of looked the same. And, and granted, there are, there are absolutely portrait photographers that have their own voice, but I hadn't really seen that yet. But in fashion photography, you know, you'd have Helmut Newton, Stephen Klein, Lillian Bassett, like you could just go and I, I was just blown away. Um, by what they were creating. So it had nothing to do with the fashion and all, everything to do with the vision. That's a great statement right there. It had nothing to do with the fashion. <laughs> it had everything to do with the vision. I love it. I love it. Because you wonder, like, is somebody, was somebody super into fashion and that's what they're drawn to, you know, in the form of photography? But it totally makes sense um, given the the... The, your style that um, that it is fashion because of all those different elements that go into the art that is you know fashion itself of whether it's design of clothing of jewelry of you know all the different elements 
And then I eventually realized that just because the portraiture I'd seen before I found to be boring didn't mean that I couldn't take everything I loved about fashion and make it portraiture. Um, but that was a journey I had to discover. It's not something that someone presented for me and I go, oh, that makes sense. I had to go, oh, I was just looking at people who are boring. <laughs> like I can make this more interesting and more compelling. And, and the, you know, I mean, you see obviously on the, on the cover of magazines, you know, where the, the supermodel uh, era was dead and it was the age of the celebrity, but fundamentally it's, it's stylized portraiture. Um, so I realized I could do many things with the things I liked about fashion photography, those, those elements of style and elegance and strength. Exactly. And, and, and so this concept of stylized, um, portraiture, um, and, and, creating that mood and zone and all of it, the the beautiful, you know, images that I can think of off the top of my head of yours. But is it, it, I feel like there's a certain person who's able to conceptualize um, what an image is going to be. And then there's someone like you, then there's someone like me, who's more like street photography, like it's more about knowing what I'm kind of looking for, and then waiting to find it versus like, thinking ahead of what I want to create. Um, is that I'm terrible at street photography? Like terrible. That's what I was going to ask was, do you have terrible? It's, 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 just... it's mind blowing. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be with my significant other. I've got a, another friend who's big into street photography and like, I'm walking around and he's constantly shooting. I'm like, what are you even looking at? Like, I just totally miss it. But that's the, so that's the interesting thing is like how, when you're, it's one thing to see the like be your you know see the world in a certain way, but then it's another thing to be like creating that world in your mind. I guess I I don't know. I just think it's interesting to think about. I think I think it's fascinating that like when I look at these people that are really good at street photography, how quickly they're processing what's around them, um, and I think it's definitely a, a feat of mental agility um, that maybe I should work on exercising a little. I don't know because. Um, when they're when they're processing those leading lines, that person is coming this way in this beam of light. Like I see their their brains working, and it, it's awesome. Um, so I don't think one's better or worse. And w- when I do a, a shoot, it's not that I have all of the pieces come out uh, like uh, predetermined, but I know what my goal and purpose is, and then I can start bringing together elements with some flexibility uh, that'll help me emphasize that purpose. So, for example, the the reason I find this sometimes easier than like, I think a lot easier than when I would shoot shoot street photography is because I can control everything. And so it's, you know, the control freak in me. Um, But if I know what my purpose is, let's say the image is meant to be, let's do soft. Uh, It's meant to be soft and ethereal. Well, already I know my makeup is going to be soft and less bold. It's not going to be, you know, strong and graphic. I already know the posing will probably be uh, more, uh, like long lines and soft hands. Uh, I already know that the cult co- with the color palette will likely be. So I feel like when you know what it's, what I'm trying to achieve, it kind of fills in things. And then when you have a style, you go, Oh yeah. How would I shoot those things? Oh yeah. Okay. Like it, it's filtering everything through how I shoot. And then I don't even feel like I have to start from square one every time it's, it's makes it, you know, feel pretty natural. Whereas in my street photography, I'm like, I, I just, what are you even seeing? <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's just so interesting. Cause I walk into a studio and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. You know, like it, 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 it it's just that, yeah, it's, 
And I think it's also just what you're drawn to as well. Um, Lindsay, let's talk about, again, more coming back to you, non-photographer, Lindsay. I mean, not that you're not. With you, it's one (laughs) and the same. One and the same. I know. Um, You're also a writer. Uh, You have published how many books now? Five, but the sixth one is 75% of the way done. But COVID, I couldn't shoot the rest of it. So like. Someday. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> what is, what do you enjoy about that process um, of, is it similar to putting a class together or like, what is your, your goal with, with having created five books, six with the six on the way? Um, I think there's a couple of things I'm uh, attracted to. It's definitely similar to putting together a class, especially my three-day creative lives. Honestly, it's like writing a book. It's like really not that much different in the end. Um, But I feel like when you put together a book, you feel like you are creating something for posterity. Like it feels like you've created something with more permanence in the days when I post an image on Instagram and it's forgotten about the next day or, you know, maybe a week later. Um, And it feels great to have something that has longevity. And the other thing is I also think when somebody owns a book that you created and they put it on their bookshelf, it has much more of a feeling of pride and they've taken ownership of you and what you have to say than buying just even just buying a digital class. And that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate that, but it's, it's different. It's like, I own your book. I'm displaying it in my home. Uh, I'm pulling it out for reference. It's that tangibility. I feel like you develop a different type of connection. That's why I think having digital classes where you're talking and they, they hear your personality, but then having the tangibility of a book, like I feel like those two things kind of bring you into that person's life in a, a special way. It, it is. There's something about a, a tangible um, a tangible thing that you can hold. And it is a different, it is a different type of connection. Um, and, and another, a different, another additional, um, you know, accomplishment and thing that you're kind of like birthing, you know, to, to the world. Um, it feels like that. It's great. It, it, it's, I wrote, I wrote a book with, uh, Eric Valland and he would, uh, say we're, we were, we had a book baby. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's not get people confused here, but I'll take book baby. That's fine. <laughs> It's true, though. I mean, it, it's it is such an endeavor. What is something about you that most people don't know, or that would be surprising, oh, no. surprising for people about Lindsay Adler? Oh my goodness! Okay, because nothing profound came to mind. Everything superficial came to mind. Um, That's fun I- too. I put mustard on my French fries. Like, I think that's a funny, a fun. Okay, that's cute. Um, It took until the pandemic for me to learn how to cook anything whatsoever at all. And that's not a joke. Like, I literally had zero meals I could cook. Um, And so I learned... So what do like, you do? And what, what's your what's your dish of choice now that you my sh- my showstopper? Yeah, as I learned how to make shakshuka. Have you had shakshuka? No. It's um. It's basically like a skillet tomato dish but it's got it's like a little bit spicy it's kind of a it's middle eastern slash israeli dish it's an it's one that impresses and i'm like yeah but that doesn't mean i'm a good cook i just have like 
one meal that I can do well, but that's all you need. Cause it, you, you know, someone comes to visit, you do that one dish and they're like, whoa, blown away. And then you eat the restaurant takeout the rest of the time. Um, is it red? If it's yes. tomato based? There, yeah, there is a green one. Okay. Um, but I, I do the red one. No, I think, um, I think the thing, I don't know if it'd be surprising, but I have two parts of my personality that call to me pretty equally. Um, I have, I live in the city, I live in New York city. Um, and I have the, you know, the kind of metropolitan lifestyle there. Uh, but I also grew up uh, on a farm in upstate New York. And so I also really love nature. And I feel like a lot of people go, oh, I could never live in New York. You know, it's too much going on. Or they go, oh, I would never want to live in the country. New York's the best. And I think they're both beautiful and I'm drawn to both. And so when I live in, in New York, I like to to travel because it gives me those other things. So I think I'm neither a city or a country person. I love both of them. It's yeah, I definitely envision you more the city person of and it, you know, but it's, it, it's interesting to go back to sort of the, the roots of growing up. Um, you're, an only child growing no, up. No, I have You're a not little a, sister. Oh my gosh, I know that. <laughs> I, know, I, I don't know. Yeah, you have a sister who is living and traveling and does amazing things as well. What was I thinking? Yeah, she's, she's, very, she's very impressive. I said, I tell people that she does the good karma for the family. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I like to share. I think photography is a, is a good field. But like, you know, she did Peace Corps and works with nonprofits. So like family karma wise, she's earning all of it. And I'm just riding through with that. Yeah. Peace Corps. I do. I remember when you went to go visit her um, and it's um, what what have you learned from her and the type of, of, you know, very kind of different different paths? I think that no matter what career you choose when you're passionate about it, you're obviously going to make sacrifices. And in, at the end of the day, it's fundamentally, what do you, when you wake up, feel that you have accomplished? Um, and, and I don't mean that in the, you know, the, uh, what I said in the beginning about achieving things to achieve things, but actually like for yourself. And if you enjoy it, um, I would never, in a million years be interested in any of the things she does because they feel so selfless to me. But then in her perspective, she doesn't feel that way at all. Uh, she doesn't have any of that, you know, like a savior complex whatsoever. So I think we both wake up feeling fulfilled. And so there's just, there's no one right or better life. And uh, I'm glad that we both kind of figured out what it is, even though it is total opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. My, my, my parents have to do a double take. Cause my sister, we, we would have probably thought my sister would be more like me when growing up. Like she was always really picky about her clothing and, and was more of the social type. Whereas I was more of like the nerd type and you should have seen my clothing. Um, but we kind of switched spots and so it's cute. Now she's kind of a, you know, if she has a choice, she's a little, a little hippie. It's, um, it's just fascinating how how we we can grow up in the same places, you know, and then as our siblings or whatever, and then end up on these very different paths. But um, 
have these beautiful connections and learning from each other and all of that. So waking up in the day, (laughs) waking up in the morning, um, what is, maybe this is sort of final question, like right now, when you wake up in the morning, like what are you most excited about that is, you know, future facing or, or now facing actually not future facing, but like what, what is the most exciting thing for you right now? I think one of the things that I learned during pandemic time, not to to date the podcast, but it's true because that's what's on, on my mind. Um, there were times where I would have days or even weeks go by and I felt like nothing was accomplished. Um, and then it kind of got to my head a little bit. But I think I was able to take a slightly different perspective on what accomplishing means. And if that meant spending more time with my significant other, and I'm sorry about my best friend, my dog, <laughs> um, I think I think it was a good forced appreciation. For example, I have not been home or to appreciate autumn in, in New York. And it is wonderful and it is magical. But every single year I am traveling or it's Photo Plus or I'm teaching or whatever. And this year, I mean, I, I went out to, um, a, an outdoor, um, cider mill like five times, <laughs> like, you know, it would go and you'd, you'd go up and you'd get the, the cider and donuts and go, yeah, I, why did I not make time for this? Like, this is so wonderful. So, I mean, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it was just the, you know, appreciating the little things, but I'm also still myself and I'm working on, five different projects right now. None of them are huge, but none of them are small. And uh, it still feels good because anytime I create something, it's it's a feeling of self-worth, whether or not it should be. And it also feels like I'm gifting people things. So it's like, it's it feels like a good gift take. It's, it is, uh, it's a great way to live. And then everybody wins. I love it. That's how, that's how I feel so far. <laughs> you said talk to me in 10 years. We'll talk in 10 years, but I still feel good about all this. I love it. I, I found I found where how I feel like things are supposed to be. That's beautiful. I love it. And it makes me so happy to see you so happy. Um, it, it's, me too. Um, <laughs> where, Lindsay, where can people find you, follow you, see what these new projects are, be on the lookout for new books, all the things? Totally. Um, I update my Instagram literally almost every day. Um, so it's Lindsay Adler underscore photo if you want to keep track of me there. And then I have an educational site, which is learnwithlindsay.com. And I've got a ton of stuff coming out for Black Friday. So uh, you will definitely hear me doing a little dance for my exciting new things. And you'll see all the images from those projects up on my Instagram. Awesome. And I subscribe to your newsletter, so I love getting my Lindsay in my inbox. People can do that as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's cute. I'll send. I'll send you personal messages. Okay. As well. Okay. Awesome. Um, thank you so much, Lindsay. Um, it's super exciting to um, just always reconnect with you, and it just gave me a lot of joy, um, and, and clearly a lot of joy for a lot of people out there. Um, who are longtime Lindsay fans as well of your work, but also of who you are as, as a human. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Ken. I love you. <laughs> love you too. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to our live 100th episode of We Are Photographers. Congratulations. Thank you. 
If you're not already, you can subscribe uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I highly ask and encourage you to uh, leave a review if you'd like uh, for the podcast. Love hearing what you guys think. Love your suggestions for who you want to see on. Um, you can always message me um, about that directly. Um, you can find me on socials. Of course, you can see everything that's upcoming here on Creative Live uh, by looking at our calendar. And you can also go and get all the past episodes of We Are Photographers on creativelive.com slash podcast. Um, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And once again, thank you to Lindsay Adler. I'm signing off for now. See you guys next time. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com slash creator pass. As a creator pass subscriber, you have access to over 1500 classes on demand. Whether it's photo and video, art and design, craft, entrepreneurship, personal finance, or even yoga, there is always something new to learn on Creative Live from the world's best educators. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is you listen to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and a five-star review goes a long way. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live Everywhere. And I'm at Kenna Klosterman on Instagram and at Kenna K Photo on Twitter. If there's anyone you want us to feature on the podcast, just send me a message. Thank you again for being part of the global Creative Live community. And I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.